Welcome to Franchise Voice, the podcast from the International Franchise Association. I'm your host, Jack Munson, and we have a special series of shows recorded live at the IFA 2024 convention. Today, we're speaking with some of the top leaders in franchising, including Catherine Monson, CEO of Propelled Brands. Paul Pickett, Chief Development Officer of Wild Birds Unlimited. And we have an update on joint employer and other issues with Michael Lehman, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Public Affairs at the IFA. We are back in Franchise City with one of my favorite people in franchising. It's Catherine Monson. How are you, sis? I am doing great, bro. I think really it's because my last name is the same as yours that I'm your favorite. That could be. No. No, I'm a little partial to me because of that. (laughs) Well, that could be part of it, but I'm also just so impressed by everything that you're involved in. Um, You are the current and latest winner of the IFA Hall of Fame Award. So tell me about the award and what this means to you. Well, I have to tell you, I'm just blown away. I uh, I do what I do because I love franchising. I do what I do and with the IFA and the board of directors and being chair for two years and on Capitol Hill only because I love franchising. It was not to get an award. I never thought about getting an award, so, but I'm really blown away and appreciative of the recognition. And when I look at the amazing group of people that received the Hall of Fame award prior to me, it is mind-blowing to be considered part of the same group. You know, I've thought about that with a few of the other award winners we've talked to recently. And instead of thinking about the people who came before you, think about all of those people who will come next. You know, the Hall of Fame award winners for the next 10, 20 years, they're going to say the same thing about you, that they're amazed that they're, that they're in the same category with Catherine. Do you know, I didn't... I haven't even thought about it that way, and I, I don't know that I can wrap my head around it that way, but, you know, as I was, somebody asked me recently, like, what is the essence of you? Like, what what drives you? And, you know, I you already know that I grew up in an abusive alcoholic home, and through lots of stuff I learned I had to make a decision to be a victim or a victor. I chose victor. And then, likewise, I made a decision that what I'm about is making a difference in the world. You know, somebody came up to me after my acceptance speech and said, that was so amazing, you didn't talk about yourself once. It's like, well, why would I talk about myself? This is about franchising. This is about protecting the model. This is about mentoring others to grow them in their franchising knowledge. This is about making a difference and focusing on franchisee profitability. Uh, And so that's why I'm ignoring your statement. (laughs) All right, well, I'm not gonna let you ignore it for long because I do wanna ask a a follow-up about sort of the next generation of leaders. I'm sure you get asked a lot for advice and tips and, and you know, how, how do I get my career going in the right direction? How do I get my entrepreneurship going in the, in the place I want it? What types of things are you hearing from the next generation of leaders and, and what are you telling them typically? Well, I do get a lot of requests for advice. More importantly, I get a lot of requests for mentoring and I'm always happy to mentor those that are actually willing to take mentoring. What I expect of someone who's going to be a mentee is is they let me know what their topics are they want to talk about in advance. In other words, they have an agenda, mm-hmm. and I can prepare for it. Mm-hmm. And then if they are implementing suggestions or at least telling me why they haven't, which is fine, what I suggest may not be right for everybody. But I, I am very interested in mentees that 
are willing to have an agenda, know where they want help and advice and guidance, let me know ahead of time, and then um, keep me posted on how they're going and, and, and developing in their career. But I, I hear from people that are just starting in franchising, got their first job with a franchisor, and people who are founders and, and are working to get to that almost to 100 location level. And uh, so based on where they are, I would tailor my, my mentoring and my advice. Excellent. So let's talk about franchising in general in 2024. The theme to this year's convention is Franchise Smarter, which I kind of love. What does that mean to you, to franchise smarter? Well, I'm going to back up a little first and say that the reason I was willing to be a volunteer on the IFA Board of Directors, and even before that, the reason I was willing to be a volunteer on the Franchise Relations Committee for you know eight years before I got on the board, is because franchising is a wonderful tool. It's a wonderful model. It's life-changing. It is the most democratic form of wealth, wealth creation. Anybody, whether they're black, white, or purple, male, female, tall, short, whether they were born in the United States or born anyplace else, it doesn't matter what side of the railroad tracks they grew up on. If they find a brand they can be passionate about and if they follow the system and work hard every day, they can create generational wealth for their family. That's what's so amazing about franchising. I love it, love it, love it. But when I think about Franchise Smarter, it's and why I got involved in the IFA as in leadership was there are a lot of folks that have a great concept, they own one or two or three, and then someone says, hey, you ought to franchise this? And that always sounds good, like it's easy, right. and then people are just going to give you money for your concept, and they don't understand franchising best practices. And they don't think about franchisee profitability. They think about revenue. I'm going to get a percentage of the revenue as royalty. Let's just grow revenue. Who cares what the, what the profitability of the franchisee is? And so when I think about Franchise Smarter, it's learning the best practices. It's implementing the best practices. It's not giving it lip service. It's really doing it. It's doing the hard work. It's franchisee engagement, franchisee involvement, face-to-face -face time with franchisees, really listening to their challenges and concerns and finding ways to solve them, right? So to me, that's what Franchise Smarter is about or responsible franchising. I mean, it's all the same thing. It's the best practices. And the most important thing is franchisee profitability. Um, David Barr has a definition of great franchising, which is when an average location or an average person in an average day with average intelligence can have great results, right? It's not about only the best franchisees can have great results. That's what makes a great franchise and putting that model together and focusing on unit level economics. And so to me, Franchise Smarter is best practices and getting better every, every day, every week, every month, every year. Excellent. You've shared your thoughts on best practices and franchisee profitability and so many other topics at many events on, on, uh, on major media outlets and, and with so many franchisees across the globe. If there's one thing that people misunderstand about franchising that you could fix and you could, you could share a little bit of knowledge and, and set the record straight, what is it that people just get wrong about franchising that you would fix? Well, we have done so well as brands that a consumer, a customer, gets such a great experience, the same experience in Topeka or Minneapolis or Miami or New York. 
we've made it such a fabulous, consistent experience. It seems like one big corporate entity. And the thing that so many people misunderstand, the thing that members of Congress misunderstand, the thing that you know local, state, and city uh, officials misunderstand, they think it's one big corporate office. They think McDonald's is a huge corporation, it's certainly big, but that they think all those locations are owned by McDonald's. And so that's the one thing I would love to be able to figure out how to educate the world on is these are independently owned and operated business that share a brand, work together to get and keep more customers than their competitors, but it is your neighbor down the street that owns that franchise. And that's what I wish I could educate the world on. Well, we will get there someday, I think. That's the plan. That's the plan. Uh, you keep doing what you're doing and we will get there sooner rather than later. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me today on Franchise Voice here at IFA 2024. Great to be with you, Jack. We're back in Franchise City at IFA 2024. Now chatting with my good friend, Paul Pickett of Wild Birds Unlimited. Hey man, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm terrific, I'm glad to be chatting with you. And first and foremost, congratulations on winning the Ronald E. Harrison Award this year. Tell us about that award and what it means to you. Well, the award is um, given to an individual or a company uh, that has consistently given back in their efforts to promote diversity within the franchise space. And my only question is, why did it take until 2024 for this award to land on Paul Pickett? Well, you know, it's like everything else. There are those who went before you who are, were differently deserving, and it was their time, and 2024 was my time. Well, it is, it, it is definitely the time, and, and you do so much for so many people in this industry that uh, I, I just I couldn't be more proud and happy for you. Um, this is a very different organization than it was when you entered it. This is, true. is that true? That is that is true. When um, <laughs> when I was when Matt told me that I was going to be provided this award this year, which is just amazing. Um, I thought we would have an opportunity, and I understand why, but an opportunity to speak. And the first thing that I thought of, and I did go home and write the speech, um, <laughs> I never gave, but my first thing was to actually ask the cameraman, because you know they always have you up on those big jump is to turn the camera around and look at the audience, because that is, I'm just so overwhelmed that I had a tiny little bit to do with it, but you look out at the audience and it is very, very different than the view of the audience was in 1991 when I attended my first IFA convention. Yeah, even even for me, I my first IFA was 2009, and and it's it's definitely gotten uh, much more diverse. We've got a long way to go, yep. uh, as does the entire world. But um, it's it's great to take a moment and breathe and say we've made it this far. Yeah, I think is celebrating where you are on a regular basis is as important is as important as looking at what the future needs to look like. So you've got to continue to push harder and just keep your the pedal down. Yeah. 
but you also need to stop and celebrate the wins and the differences that have been made. Absolutely. The, um, the folks who are coming up next, right, the, the ones yeah. who are following in all of our footsteps, um, and, uh, and, and they're going to be winning awards 10, 20 years from now. Think about those kids. I call them kids. I probably shouldn't, but to you and me, they're kids. <laughs> um, you know, they will be looking at, at people like you and some of the other award winners this year as, as the same way that you're looking at some of these folks from 10 or 20 years ago. So think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, number one. <clears throat> the thought of being thought of that is that old is a little bit <laughs> <laughs> grounding, but yeah, and I think taking it, taking the time to honor those that that fought the fight, um, and it probably was a harder fight, you know. Oh yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I'm lucky, and I'm very lucky in that I am a white cisgendered man in business, right? Mm-hmm. So I, certainly I had my own things to, to, to work through and to, you know, discrimination, but not like what so many others have overcome. Right. right. So. so let's talk a little bit more about that next generation. You're very involved in mentoring, coaching. I, I know you're on the board of, is it the University of Louisville's program? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm in this. Uh, yes, and I just came from a lunch seconds ago where we had a board of advisors meeting and four students who are in that program who are and going through the program due to scholarships uh that that organization yeah that we all push very hard for we're here telling their stories about where they came from and the power of franchising and the power of dr gosser and what is being done and the thank yous that they're giving it brought everybody there to tears it wow. was amazing that yeah we are you know when you when you put your mind to it, it doesn't matter how big or how little, you do get to make a difference. Yeah, yeah. What um, what types of things are those folks asking you? Are, are they are they asking for advice or tips or or maybe some direction in their own careers? Any anything come to mind? Uh, you know, they uh, we were talking a little bit just about uh, resumes and how to deliver them, and should I go old school or should I? You know, should I email this as a, you know, it's kind of practical stuff that they're really asking and Good. asking about how to get involved is what my favorite question is like, what can I do to make this path even smoother for those who come behind me? That's great. Yeah. That's really good to Those hear. Those are amazing questions. Yeah. 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 So, so definitely some Ronald E. Harrison award winners in that, in the future, in that group, exactly. right? They're, yeah. they're going to be, they're going to be serving other people well. Um, let's talk about franchising in general. What is it about franchising that you wish everybody on earth understood better? That's a great question. I think that, yeah, for the general public, especially about franchising, is, is that franchising does keep wealth local. Mm. That all of these businesses are individually owned and operated. They're, you know, they're people behind them, not corporations behind them. And that is an important distinction that I don't think a lot of people understand. And they just think it's one great big amalgamated corporation that potentially is taking money out of their local community. But no, the more we can, ex the PR part of this about what franchising is, is it, it drives local economies. 
that is what franchising does best. You know, it's interesting you said that because we talk about the, the, the value of franchising, and I don't think many people talk about that local aspect yeah. enough. Right, local employees, you know, the... the push for Wild Birds Unlimited, but that sure. local Wild Birds Unlimited franchisee is hiring your neighbor's kids. They're hiring their, you know, their local utilities and you know, they're buying local, they're spending local, they're providing economic opportunities and employment opportunities locally. Yeah, and, and other types of businesses might even employ people locally, certainly, but most of their profits are going back to New York City, London, China, wherever else, it, it's not staying in any town USA. Correct. So, yeah, I, I love that local place. We, we probably don't talk about that enough. Um, the, the theme to this year's franchise convention is Franchise Smarter, which I love, and we can go a lot of different ways with that. What does that mean to you, to, to Franchise Smarter? It just, it, to me, it means Franchise Responsibly. Do the smart thing. Your short-term gains are not necessarily going to be long-term gains. And so think about the impact that you're making on someone else's personal wealth. And so being in development for so long, that is what I think about. It's like under-promise, over-deliver, make a difference. Make sure that your brand is <coughs> awarding franchisee, franchises very, very responsibly, ethically, transparently. All of those values have to be considered. Awesome. Paul Pickett, thanks again for joining us today, and congratulations on the Ronald E. Harrison Award this year. And we look forward to seeing you at another franchise event in the very near future, my friend. Thank you, Jack. It's always a pleasure. You're the best. We are back in Franchise City on the Franchise Voice Show at the IFA 2024 convention. Michael Lehman, the Senior Vice President of Government Relations, is joining us today. Mike, how are you? Jack, it's great to uh, hang out with you as always. So you've got a lot on your plate. There's there's so much going on in the IFA's government relations world, and you're, you're sharing a lot of that here at the show this week. Um, what's sort of the, the, the biggest, hottest topic that you're talking about right now? Well, it's a great vibe uh, here in Phoenix uh, to have 4,000 of our closest friends here. Um, one of the biggest shows we've ever had. And uh, the, the state of the franchise community is, is really, really strong. Um, and there's just so much uh, optimism and, and interest and, um, and hunger to learn here in Phoenix. And uh, uh, at the same time, there... Um, are issues um, from coast to coast that are keeping um, franchise leaders up at night a bit um, in the public policy space. And we're into an election year now, uh, lest we forget. Um, and so our hypercharged uh, political times are getting even more uh, political by the month, it seems. 
and some of the fallout of that division and uh, the, the politics of our time is that we have more policies affecting franchising uh, both in Washington, D.C. and around the country that, um, uh, you know, in, inappropriately disrupt the uh, franchise relationship. So um, today is um, Monday, which is the, um, of course, the, as many people know, the effective date um, on the NLRB's joint employer rule and by the time uh, this goes to press there may be some changes there but um, uh, in, in, in that policy but uh, for now we uh, um, are approaching that February 26th today is the, um, is the NLRB's effective rule um, and why the um, in the day um, by which the uh, franchise community is going to have to uh, respond to um, new potential for franchise or franchisee joint liability um, and the, the need to collectively bargain uh, potentially over, um, over certain issues in the workplace. So that's certainly a disruptive policy um, that is a real camel's nose under the tent um, in disrupting um, the franchise relationship, um, and uh, we see progeny of that policy um, around the country in recent years, and we're and we're also looking at uh, some legislation in um, some states like Arizona, where we sit, as well as um, uh, Georgia, um, that would really undermine franchise agreements. Um, by um, allowing for things like uh, terminations and transfers um, uh, outside of, uh, of agreements that uh, two private parties, a franchisor and a franchisee, come together on. So um, it's not just uh, taxes and health care and, uh, that are affecting the, the franchise space. There's a, a lot of public policy Jack, that is hugely personal to uh, the franchise business model right now. You mentioned the election coming up in just a few months. What's your take on an election year with, you know, real business policy issues on the table that we're dealing with? Are those things going to get, are they going to get sped up? Are they going to get pushed back to 2025? What do you see happening in the second half of this year when it comes to, you know, the real business of government um, versus just all of the other craziness that we're that we're just getting deeper and deeper into every day? The election year probably has uh, the impact in slowing legislating, um, both in D.C. and around the country. Um, you know, here at the end of February, um, we. You know, state legislatures are generally doing their work the the first few months of the year, and then most of them shut down by by the spring and and are done. So this is really the uh, the time when state legislatures are, have their short, usually short sessions and are turning things out. And we're this year in 2024, we've we're already seeing less uh, than we saw a year ago. 2023 was probably uh, the biggest year for state and local policies affecting franchising that we've ever seen. So some of the um, some of the drivers of uh, 
public policy against franchising have never been more active, but we are seeing um, a bit of a calmer landscape out in state capitals, particularly because of the election year. Um, of course, in Washington, uh, with President Biden seeking re-election, um, the administration is churning out all over government a lot of rules and regulations that were first-term priorities. And so uh, while Congress is not accomplishing much, and this has been you know, a disaster of a Congress in many ways for uh, um, for, uh, just in many ways, uh, the the agencies are firing on all uh, on all cylinders and churning out a lot of material right now. Um, of course, the NLRB is the uh, acronym, um, basically a four-letter word in the franchise community for their advancement of joint employer rule that just does not uh, consider the complexities of franchise. Um, relationships and the way our community operates but uh, the Federal Trade Commission is also a place where we expect them to uh, tinker if not meddle uh, with uh, the FTD and potentially the franchise relationship so um, the election year has um, uh, it's it, it's a double-edged sword. There's probably less legislating and more regulating um, here in uh, 2024. Got it. What's the ask right now of membership from uh, all IFA members? Are we are we driving anyone to uh, a place to learn more, get involved? What can we do right now to to help you help us? So on. Um, Everyone's radar screen should be the NLRB joint employer rule, and we have an ask for every single IFA member and, frankly, all of their colleagues, uh, friends, and family uh, is to sign this uh, White House petition, uh, this petition that we will deliver probably uh, this week to President Biden urging him to protect franchising and sign the legislation when it passes Congress to repeal the NLRB rule. So we expect the U.S. Senate to uh, very uh, to to consider it within a matter of days um, the House passed legislation to repeal the joint employer rule, this Congressional Review Act resolution that we've been talking a lot about. Um, and so every IFA member can go on to our Franchise Action Network page uh, and sign the White House petition. Um, and we want thousands and thousands of not just franchisors and franchisees, but anyone who is interested in this business model as a stakeholder in the franchising community to uh, um to sign this petition and make sure that they are on the record, uh, make sure that uh, President Biden sees uh, that a huge swath of the, the franchising community certainly uh, wants, uh, wants him to do the unexpected uh, because uh, the White House has already announced their opposition to this legislation, but to do the unexpected and sign this legislation in, in his election year to support the Main Street economy that uh, President Biden um, has, uh, has claimed to be um, so supportive of. So that's our big ask is this, uh, that every franchise interested person uh, signs this petition to the White House for. 
I know you probably don't want to make predictions, but do you see a possibility due to the election that President Biden might uh, be on board with what Main Street wants right now? Is that is that a possibility anyway? Well, we want to give him that option. Uh, yeah. We certainly uh, want to make the ask. We want to channel all of the advocacy, energy, and the, the amount of questions that our community has about uh, how this NLRB framework is going to work. Because keep in mind, we, we've we never had a, a, a regulation uh, uh, on joint employment adverse to franchising quite like this. There was a, a precedent, a case decision back in 2015 where uh, from the 2015 to 2017 time frame franchising had to deal with a wide open joint employer standard uh, and then the Trump administration came in and eliminated that that precedent but this is a this is a more substantive regulation it's an even uh, it's a broader application of a joint employer standard so it's really even worse um, it, it does only affect the collective bargaining area but as I mentioned before a huge camel's nose under the tent for expanding joint employment into other areas of law that will affect more of the day-to-day operations. So um, we, you know, this is, it's not a policy that makes a lot of sense for franchising. Certainly this joint employment doctrine has um, applications to other industries um, that don't have to do with us, and they may be more of the intended targets in some cases. but, you know, at this point, Jack, franchising has some public policy opponents uh, that want to disrupt this business model for their own benefit. And uh, they don't care about the collateral damage of franchising. So we're making that case. We had a, you know, Matt Haller, our CEO, led a uh, meeting with White House uh, leaders back in December, uh, basically telegraphing that, you know, our opposition to this rule and that we're going to be communicating to the White House in a number of ways. And this petition is uh, is an all of franchising approach. We want everybody uh, on it. And uh, we're going to give President Biden the uh, opportunity to surprise everyone. Love that idea. Give him the opportunity. So, Michael Lehman, thank you so much for joining us today on Franchise Voice. And we will see you down the road here in Franchise City. Thanks a lot, Jack. Thanks to you for listening to Franchise Voice from the International Franchise Association. For more information, go to franchise.org.